G'day everybody, Matt Ellis with you for the latest edition of the Cricket Library podcast and today we get to hear from a man who grew up in country Queensland and went on to represent his state with distinction, winning multiple titles at the Queensland Bulls, forging a successful short format career, representing Australia, a destructive middle order batsman and an occasional wicket taker with the ball. We'll find out about a couple of those wickets in our conversation today with Nathan Reardon. Time to sit back, relax and enjoy our chat with Nathan Reardon. Oh, that's nicely hit. It was short, it was sitting up there, but Reardon was almost waiting for it. And that got to the boundary extremely quickly. Oh, and dealt with, we're talking about dealt with severely. Well back onto the roof. Goodbye. Massive. Nathan Reardon just launching into that one. Right up into the Lily Marsh. Stand up onto the roof. Chris Gale-like. That'll do it. Won't go for four. That'll be 100 for Nathan Reardon. Very well played. I've only 80 deliveries. And it's a very warm welcome to the Cricket Library podcast, Nathan Reardon. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and we, we've got you on the road. You're heading heading up north to do some cricket coaching and obviously that passion for cricket still in the blood. But can you, can you tell us where your early memories of cricket began for you? T- tell us a bit of the background of the, the Nathan Reardon passion for cricket. Yeah, no dramas at all. Firstly, yeah, heading up the coast. Normally, I just ring my mates and talk shit. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get to listen to me talk shit for half hour here. But, um, yeah, mate, my, my passion, I guess, uh, started. I grew up in, in country Queensland, a little place called Chinchilla. Um, and there yeah, wasn't a hell of a lot to do um, out of Chinchilla when I was growing up. So, it was, it was either cricket or fishing on the riverbank, played a bit of rugby league, and um, come from a quite a sporty family as well, dad and um, grandpa and all that played cricket, so um, that was sort of for, forced into me a little bit, and, and obviously, yeah, obviously I loved it, and it was the one that, one of the sports that I stuck with, um, I would have liked to sort of go down the path playing a bit more golf, but um, yep. cricket, was the one, cricket was the one I was a little bit better at. And, and do you have memories of um, playing club cricket and uh, your early recollections of of being part of a team and all that sort of stuff? Oh, yeah, 100%. So I went from Chinchilla, um, Chinchilla to Gladstone, um, which is another regional town. Dad got transferred for work. He was with Queensland Rail. Um, and, yeah, just, I mean, I, I still remember all played for, obviously, South West Queensland and Chinchilla and then played for um, Central Queensland when I was in Gladstone. So I remember all those underage youths, um, Carlos, that I played in and, it wasn't until year 11 I got a scholarship down at uh, Ipswich Grammar School in Brisbane and that was probably where I guess I sort of started taking cricket a little bit more seriously. Um, you look, oh, you think of taking cricket seriously as a 16-year-old, but that was probably when I realised I actually had a bit of potential and, and wanted to just uh, give cricket the best crack I could and, and boarding school was my only option for that. I was um, gone with the days. I think you've had him on the podcast for the Melbourne. He was probably the last one that's actually um, yeah. been picked up from playing 
country country cricket really and and that that's not happening anymore and and is what it is but, but generally Queensland cricket or the schools are getting these good country kids out of their region and um, get them down into GPS school systems playing club cricket and yeah, so I went from Ippy Grammar, played played all my club cricket at university, and um, and yeah, that was where I sort of got my chance to play second eleven cricket, and then on to uh, debut for Queensland when I was twenty one or twenty two, I think it might have been. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, finished about sort of ten years, ten twelve years later. So yeah, I'm pretty pretty fortunate. Of, um, I had a decent yeah decent career lengthwise. Um, I mean you don't. Wouldn't, had, a, had a good career. Wouldn't say that I was like a, a great of the game, but um, look, I, I got to do like if what you told me of growing up in Chinchilla, I got to play cricket for Queensland for ten years and a couple of games for Australia. Then I probably would have laughed at you. So <laughs> I look back, look back on it now and think that I was pretty fortunate. Oh, absolutely. And uh, one of those early classmates of yours, Beric Barnes, was he one of the people that got you across to the uni cricket club? Yeah, he was actually. Um, yeah, Barnsley was a bloody good mate of mine, and um, I remember we we actually played. He was a year younger than me, and we I played for Queensland under 16s and the QJC stuff, um, which was the club. And then he played for the 15 schoolboys. We played a game against each other, so I um, I happened to make a hundred that game, and had Barnsley up the stuff, but he telling me the whole time that I was um, I was transferring to Grammar the following year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so he, um, he, he, him, him and his family were awesome to me um, early on at Epic Grammar. Obviously, I went to Brizzy, not really knowing too many people. And um, Barnsley, yeah, Barnsley and his family, Kate and Tom and John, they sort of took me every weekend. Uh, when I was free, I'd get on the train, switch, switch my cricket bag, and um, used to go and stay there out the Indrapilly there. And oh, was, yeah, we had, we had a good time. And, I didn't try and play too much footy against him because I was I get showed showed up. But um, well, back then he was actually nearly showing me up in cricket as well. It oh, a bit of, of a those, natural. One of those freakish, um, yeah, freaky sportsmen. So, but he got found out that he could only play one shot. That was the full shot. So once they worked that out, he had to choose rugby. <laughs> now, now you you mentioned um, making your debut for Queensland in your early twenties. I think, I don't know if you're actually the first ever super sub. We see the X factor in the, in the Big Bash this year, but back in the days of the domestic one-day comp, we had the super sub, and, and your debut was as the super sub. Can you tell us your recollections of that? I'm pretty sure I was, um, I'm pretty sure I was Australia's first super sub. There the, you go. <laughs> there you go. You can look into it, but I'm pretty sure I, I, I super subbed in for Michael Casper with... Um, and Cash was getting towards the end of his career then, and I know he ended up. He spent a bit of time on the board of Cricket Australia. I reckon he might have come up with the real so he could bowl his ten over and go and drink, drink lattes and put his feet up. So yeah, and then so we yeah that was against New South Wales, and I I remember I, I super stuff then I batted eight or something like that. I, mean, I, was, I was the young I was the young kid sort of yeah whack a little bit and feel also suited being a superstar pretty well um, as a young kid and I remember coming in and facing Dougie Bollinger under lights at the cabin and he was oh it felt like he was bowling about 170k an hour and he was pushing off the side screen and I was thinking God what am I doing here um, but, uh, and we actually got bowled out for 69 I think wasn't many 
<laughs> you, you get the chance to progress into first-class cricket as well. Um, do, you, do you have any recollections of that debut against Victoria back in 2007 and, and just what it meant for you, as you said, the, the youngster growing up in Chinchilla, to put on that baggy maroon cap? What did that mean to you to make your first-class debut for Queensland? Yeah, obviously, um, well, any, I mean, even the one-day one, I was, I was pretty proud of as well. Um, but, yeah, to play, to play shield cricket, and, um, which is what, uh, sort of growing up, growing up, we got to, we got to hear a lot on the radio, and, and shield cricket was, still is, like, pretty, it was pretty big back then. Um, so, yeah, I was obviously extremely proud, and, um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think I, I went really well, and, and probably, if I look back on my career, like, I think I've probably underachieved a little bit in shield cricket. I wish, and I, look, I can't really put my finger on why. It's too long ago to actually remember, but I showed glimpses of being quite good, but then just didn't really nail that consistency. And, um, yeah, it's something I probably wish, and it, it might have been because I spent a lot more time working on my one-day and T20 game, and, and, and it sort of suited that a little bit. I was, I was always someone who liked to feel bad on ball, so maybe, maybe just, Early in my career, I probably could have spent a bit of time sort of leaving and knowing where my stump was a bit better. And um, yeah. but look, it is what it is. I could have, I might, I might have end up being a good shield cricketer, but wouldn't have um, been able to sort of play play a lot of big bash and one day cricket for Queensland. So it's a bit of a yeah, catch twenty two. But um, obviously, I got to play. I played in a shield final. That was pretty cool. And Tasmania lost. Um, but yeah, I think I played about 25, 26 shield games and. And, and won quite a few of them. And it was always a good... Um, one thing I liked about shield cricket, and even though it was a bit of a... Yeah, it was a bit of a punish on the body. You're pretty rooted by four days. But yeah. um, I just re- I just remember how good it felt to win one of those games. Like, you come in the dressing room, up and it was satisfying after four days of bloody kicking cans out in the outfield at the Gabba when it's 35 degrees and coming off and having a 4X gold and remembering those wins. That was, that was pretty special for me. I used to, yeah, I used to love winning and that's one thing I sort of liked about playing cricket was the team aspect of, yeah, getting the W and, and having, a, having a can after the game. That was always nice. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you speak about glimpses of, of good form in the red ball cricket. Uh, one absolute highlight, the, the big hundred you scored against the West Indies in, in 2009. Was it great to have a taste of uh, playing against an international outfit and, and succeeding the way you did? Yeah, I think the West Indies back then were like playing bloody Brisbane third grade team. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think you're underselling them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I know that's a good players. Uh, I remember facing, I remember fa- remembering how quick Kimo Roach was. Um, yeah, but um, that was probably, I, I'm pretty sure there was an injury, so I got called into that um, to bat five, and, and that was probably at the time when the selectors, I think Ray Phillips might have been chairman of selectors then, and he sort of, I'd been, I'd been tested and hadn't really shown them that I could, I could string good scores together regularly. So I, I showed, like I said, showed glimpses and then come in and get that 150. And I, I, I remember having a couple of, a couple of good innings after that as well. And I was starting to think maybe I've, maybe I've sort of become close to actually working out what my four-day game is here and just spending a bit of time in the middle and. Yeah, it was sort of, I was always that sort of player that um, I was, yeah, because I wasn't scoring, knocking down the door and scoring hundreds all the time, I was sort of in and out. And I, I got tried in different roles, open 
high sort of batting three and um, and probably yeah probably just didn't really know exactly what my my spot was in, in shield cricket. I had a couple of innings opening where I did a right and um, so yeah that was always a bit tricky but uh, that, I was yeah pretty happy with that hundred and actually got to bowl a bit that game. I got two international wickets. Oh, and Lukey Feldman, Lukey Feldman might have told you. Yeah. Bold, uh, Court Feldman, Bold Ridden, Shivner, Shivner on Chanderpaul. Thank you oh, very much. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I was going to get onto your bowling. Shivner on Chanderpaul, that's that, that's a big one. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know if many of the listeners would know. Uh, the other one was Adrian Barat. I think he might have played 10 games or something for the West Indies. But um, I just remember... I just remember getting to the top of my mark and buying the ship, and I was, I was looking at him going, is this like ready? <laughs> <laughs> He's like all over the place, and he, I found him what I thought was a bloody beautiful outswinger on like four, like in swing at him, but beautiful ball swinging into the top of four stump, and he's whipped me through me to make it four, so I'm like, oh, Christ, and it was actually just a proper dirty drag down, and he told me to the Feldman, oh, the scenes were pretty <laughs> It was pretty funny. Uh, now, just just on your bowling while while we're talking wickets, um, you only took one domestic one day wicket for Queensland, but it was Liam Davis who actually has a a first class triple century to his name. Can you talk us through that wicket? Do you remember if there were scenes similar when when you knocked over Liam Davis? So that was one. Was that domestic one day wicket? Yeah, it? yeah. Right. There you go. I did not even know I had a domestic one day wicket. <laughs> so um, you've forgotten it. Uh, little, I went to the cricket academy with Liam Davis, and he was, how did I get him? I reckon you can nearly hit um, Buff in the head and he's out LBW, like he was that short. <laughs> um, I, can't, I couldn't even remember how I got him, but um, I, knew I, got, I knew I got one um, I knew I got one T20 wicket back when it was um, Queensland, Queensland, New South Wales, well, played against. WA, yeah. got um, Umar Gull out, actually. Oh, wow. The Pakistani. So um, I really like my bowling. I um, had a couple of years there where I sort of focused quite a bit on it and just trying to play that sort of four, four quick and bit of a bit of an all-rounder role for Queensland Shield Cricket. And, um, so, yeah, I got to do a little bit of bowling and it just, oh, it, it hurt. So <laughs> I was happy I was happy when I um, I just got pigeonholed as a batter only. Yeah, yeah. Now, now in that that one day domestic cricket for Queensland, three three titles, two thousand and eight nine, uh, the first one, and then back to back twelve thirteen thirteen fourteen, uh, winning winning that domestic title. Uh, do any of those three stand out for you, or any particular year you think you look back on more fondly than the others, or are they all pretty? Pretty well up there to win a win a title for your state. Um, I think the one that probably st- oh look, I love winning yeah, I love winning titles, I love winning games. But I think the one that probably stands out most was um, we played against Victoria at the G, and uh, I think it was the one Ryan Harris took the last oh, wicket. Oh yes, that was the rain affected game. Yeah, and we only had a hundred and ninety to work with, and. I remember Rob Quiney and might have been Hodgie, they were one for 90 or something, none for 90 or something, and we were, we were on our way to just getting absolutely smoked by beat for the bonus point in the final. And then um, it was back when we only had one um, one up, one ball, so it wasn't the two new balls. Yeah. And, I remember, and we were just, we were one of those teams that were just, if we were defending, we were always in the game because we had um, 
Benny Lockwood was playing one day cricket for a stand, and we had Nathan Rivington, and they were just unreal getting the ball to go reverse. So it just started going reverse, and we got a couple, and all of a sudden, two turned into four, and we ended, yeah, we ended up bloody, bloody winning it, um, which was which was pretty special. That was a good win. But, um, yeah, I mean, all, I would have liked to win a Shield, Shield title, but any, yeah, any... Any wins, a good one, and um, that was certainly up there as one of the better ones. Yeah, and and your your domestic one day form uh, helped propel you into calculations for the Australian T Twenty team, in particular, uh, in in the lead up to your selection. You smash, I think it was seventy five off thirty five against South Australia up at AB Field, and then and then fifty two off twenty seven against Victoria. Um, uh, one one of those games, I think you're batting with Peter Forrest, and you you took maybe twenty two off and over um, there at AB Field. W- was that the best you've been hitting the ball when when you when you did get that call up for T Twenty cricket for Australia? Well, I just smacked him because Pete was blocking the shit out of the other end. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, oh, I, yeah, probably. Um, I remember. Yeah, I remember stringing, um it was probably the time, I think I was down at Adelaide, uh, playing for the Strikers as well, and I was stringing, um, probably strung two, it might have been three really good domestic years, one-day cricket, um, where I was sort of probably averaging a bit distant in domestic cricket for those three years. So, um, and, and that was probably, and I was going well for Adelaide as well. I probably played a really good role there, uh, the Strikers, and that was probably, yeah, as good I was, as I was hitting the ball. I had a really good understanding of my game, um, and... I probably played a role that I guess, especially in T20 cricket, that isn't really like I, I probably was suited to. I played at four and five, so most, most teams basically pick their most teams basically pick their T20 around their top three batters and their someone like a whack them at six and some bowlers and the four and five is just made up of whoever they bloody want. But I was sort of that role. They they picked me to bat five, and I was look I was comfortable with that role, and I, I really enjoyed it. it. Sometimes it wasn't a a role that you got a lot of satisfaction out of because you're either going to come in and resurrect the innings when we're three for nothing, or you got to you get to face five or six balls. So yeah. it can be a tricky, it can be a tricky one. Um, and I think that's a role that Australian cricket really struggled to find that perfect person batting at, at five in the T20s. I mean, Glenn Maxwell's obviously doing a good job of it now, but they they they're picking guys out of the big bash um, from opening to go and try and it's expected about five and six is a completely different role. It's a bloody hard role. And, yeah. And that's where I reckon someone like, in, in my view, someone like a Dan Christian is just perfect. He takes the game on. He um, he gets his game. He's 36, 37. Um, he can bowl you a couple of hours. He's a good fielder. And he, he just he whacks the ball. So he, yeah. he's pretty good in that role. Um, probably got veered off the question a little bit. But, yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I, mean, yeah, I was very happy with the way I was hitting the ball when I got, when I got picked and didn't go as well as I would have liked for Australia, but got the cap, got to say that I've um, done it. So that's always, um, that was a pretty proud moment. And, and you only got to bat in one of the two games as well. So um, one, one opportunity with the Willow. Uh, do, well, any other reflections on your time with the Australian team and, and that call up? Um, yeah, well, I, I do remember um, that it, Batted, uh, batted five, and it was a it was a good four too. I felt really comfortable. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, remember, I remember getting the 
that short ball and I thought, yep, sweet. So that, I, I didn't really pull early. I like to play that one over the slits. I thought I got that beautifully. And Quinn de Cox, like, left off, almost like bounced off a trampoline and took it. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. I was on the way then. I was eight off eight. Yeah. Um, and then we only had a small total. Um, we got an early wicket, and then Riley Russo just went straight up in the air off Dougie Bollinger, who's under at me, had to turn around, take a pretty straightforward catch, um, spilt it. He was on seven at the time. He ended up getting up 80 off about 30 balls. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really good experience my time playing for Australia. <laughs> oh, um, dear, uh, look, it, it is what it is. I can have a joke about it now. It's not, I was sort of wanted to crawl up and crawl up in a ball and bloody hide at the time, but that's cricket, eh? Yeah, yeah, that is that is cricket. And um, we're talking about the Big Bash earlier. You, you and Luke Feldman have, have played at a, a number of different clubs. I think only Josh Layla would have more different coloured Big Bash shirts in his cupboard than you guys. You start at the Renegades, have some time at the Strikers, head back home to Brisbane, and then finish up at the Hurricanes. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, the positives that Luke Feldman spoke about playing with different uh, clubs was the idea of getting to play with different players, different coaches, get some different input, and and even playing grade cricket in in different cities as well. What what are your takeaways from from your years playing in in different clubs in the Big Bash? Well. Firstly, Melbourne's line. It was just you just go wherever they had the best bloody off-field circuit. So <laughs> Melbourne was the first. Melbourne, was, they put me on Chapel Street. What a place to go on the pitch for eight weeks. It was awesome. <laughs> um, look, I, it was when, when the Big Bash first started. Uh, people probably wouldn't remember it now, but all the players sort of thought, oh, "This is a, this is a joke. This isn't going to work." Um, so I went down to Melbourne, and it was. Honestly, it was like a Bucks party. It was like it was just it was just like a Bucks party ruined by eight games of cricket. So um, it was sort of a bit unknown. But then, then there was the middle bit um, where people realised, oh, maybe this thing is going to take off. Um, so I yeah, I got contracted Adelaide, had a great couple of years there, and then um, then I was, I was those five years two at Adelaide, three in Brisbane, probably when I was playing my best cricket. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, then I was pretty much when I got delisted by um, the Heat when I was 32, I think it was, and I was pretty much done with three, to be honest. Like, I was, I still really liked the game, and I just, I was getting a bit jacked with all the training. I just, I didn't have that same passion to go to training every day. Um, yeah. And I, and it was a pretty funny story. I got picked up to um, go down to Hobart. I was, because I, I had a mate who um, encouraged me to come down and play just the local game in the Gold Coast Service Paradise Crew Club. Um, so I went down there and played one game. And I remember George Bailey sending me a message going, asking if I'm contracted any BBL teams. I said, no, no contract. After I've played any cricket. And I, other than that one game, I hadn't played anything. And I was blatantly lied to Bailey. I said, yeah, mate, I'm playing. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I went down there and um, only played the one game, and like it was a little, little bit like my first year. It was a bit of a bucks party. It was, um, it was good fun. Yeah, yeah, and the Hurricanes made the so, final they, that year they, as well. They did, and then Gary Kirk was their coach, and oh, oh, look, I don't know. We we had Matty Wade scoring 
bloody 50 after 50 over the batting, and then in the final we batted in seven. So I was like, well, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've got my coach at that on now. I think, well, that's probably not a great move at the time, but we um, we lost the final. But we were, like, we were chasing our tail. We were chasing 200, I think. Jake yeah. Weatherall got 100. Alex Carey might have whacked 70 or something like that. So it was always a bit of bit of a task. Um, but, yeah, like... Like you said earlier, like it was so much fun to go and play with, um, go and play with different players and coaches that you played against and, and get to know them more so as just like as people. And yeah, I, I, I remember playing against Matty Wade and he'd be up the stump barking at you and you're thinking, this bloke's a tool. But I got to, <laughs> I tried to spend eight weeks with him and I was like, he's a great guy. I got on really well with him. We had similar interests and uh, I think he's probably one of the Guys, it's a little bit misunderstood in Australian cricket. I had a, yeah, had a rip of time with him. Yeah, and guys like yeah. Brent, Brendan McCullum at the Heat as well. Yeah, oh, look, some just some really, yeah, really genuinely good guys and, and good cricketers. Like it was, it was awesome. like to be a part of obviously the big bash. It's going to keep, it's going to keep growing. But yeah, to say that I played against the likes of Chris Gale and played with Baz and played against Bingo when he was still going around and all all other sort of players, like it was. Was a pretty solid comp, and you speak to all the overseas players that come over and play in it, and they they still reckon the Big Bash is the the premier T20 comp around the world. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, post post playing professionally, you, you go to the Hong Kong World Sixes. Tell us tell us a bit about your time in Hong Kong. Well, actually, that was actually when I was contracted. It oh, was, okay. Um, Hong, yeah, so the Hong Kong Sixes was. Um, it was quite a big little Sixers tournament. You play over, um, yeah, you play over a weekend, and you play in the middle of uh, it was Kowloon Cricket Club in the middle of Hong Kong. Um, and I'm not even kidding. The boundaries are 30 meters long in some spots, and you choose an indoor cricket ball that has a shine shaved off it. Um, so it wouldn't, it wouldn't swing. It was pretty much just, yeah, the bowlers had no chance. Um, and yeah, I had three years over there. It was it was basically made up of players who weren't playing shield cricket. So when I was young, I was playing a lot of shield cricket. I was just that brilliant player. So I'd get to go over Hong Kong and whack a few balls around. And yeah, we had a. I remember my second year, we had a great team. We um we had myself, Glenn Maxwell, David Warner, um, John Hastings, Stephen O'Keefe, and we we played England in the final and like. To score 15 or 20 off and over in that Hong Kong Sixers was nothing. So it was, and it was big money to win back then, especially as us being 19 year olds. And I remember we needed we needed three runs off two balls oh. to win the grand final, to win the grand final against England. And it would have been, I'm pretty sure it was like ten thousand dollars or something like that for a weekend. As an 18, 19 year old, we're going we're gonna to be loaded here. <laughs> Um, and then um, Stephen O'Keefe got run out coming back for a second. That was a draw, and England won on a count back of last wicket. So we were we'd gone from winning ten thousand bucks for the weekend to I think about a thousand. So oh no! We were shattered, but oh look, it was it was it was a bit of fun. But I think unfortunately, um, corruption might have might have taken its part, and and that comp's no longer. Yeah. Okay. And and you. The other, the other, the other one I wanted to ask you about was the Aussie Legends game you played against the Sri Lanka Legends. Not all that long ago, um, and you get ninety six off fifty three. 
Yeah, you said he's bringing up all the junk at toast, don't you? There's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a bit of a theme to this. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, that was. Um, I was yeah. What was the, I was I was working with. Um, well, I, I was working with Papua New Guinea cricket. But I was working under Joey Dawes, um, yep. and I remember getting the call, uh, the email for that for that tour. I was over in Dubai. We were over there for the World Cup qualifiers with Papua New Guinea, which we actually made the World Cup and. It's going ahead this year in, um, looks like the end of Dubai. Um, so, I've, yeah, I made a, made a decision that I'm, I'm not going to be a part of that just because, just with the travel and the world the way it is, unfortunately. It was a yeah. tough decision to make. I want to be a part of a World Cup and never mind. Um, but, yeah, I got that call. I said to Joey, I said, look, I know it probably might coincide with a bit of coaching work, but this is going to be pretty fun. So, he's like, yeah, let's. Yeah, go do it. Um, so that was, it was a bit of fun, and that was right in the mix of when COVID first kicked off. Um, yeah. So we were, we were in we were in Mumbai, and we played one game. Um, it was a pretty cool tournament. Had the likes of Bulbara was playing, Tendulkar. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't class myself in the legends category there, but um, <laughs> they had, we had some real, real legends of the game playing, and um, yeah, got the whack of you against Sri Lanka. I think we're at one stage, we were 7 to 30, chasing 150, and me and uh, Xavier Doherty put on a, I was whacking a few, and Xavier was chipping a few around, and we actually got it to, I think we needed six off three balls or something, and I held out on the boundary and I was losing, but, um, oh, look, that was, that was a bit of fun. Unfortunately, we didn't get to finish the tournament. Um, the organisers made a decision to fly everyone home just with COVID, but, yeah. Um, yeah, sort of, yeah, good decision. I didn't really want to be stuck in India. But that was when the first wave happened. We've seen how bad the second wave's been. So yeah, yeah. Uh, just, yeah, bit of a bit of a crappy time in the world at the moment. So hopefully we can get on top of that and, and international cricket and sport and, and life goes back to normal, I suppose. Yeah, and, and can you tell us about normal life for you at the moment? You've got um, Outside Edge Adventures, uh, your fishing tours. Can you tell us tell us about that? Yeah, so I started that when I was, um, I was, look, I knew the writing was on the wall for my professional career, and um, Prison Cricket were pretty good to sort of allow me post Big Bash for those last sort of five, six months of my contract to, to start developing the fishing business. So, so we're a booking agency for fishing holidays. Um, yep. we got, we got a lot of stuff up in Cape York's probably our busiest. we got liverboard trips to the Coral Sea. Um, we had trips to Papua New Guinea and New Zealand, chasing for the bucket list fish as well. Obviously, that's standing still at the moment. Um, and I do a bit of guiding myself for Murray Cod fishing, just do like a uh, fishing and camping trip. So, it's, yeah, it's going pretty well. Um, it's actually really busy at the moment. Uh, we're going to be playing catch-up for a bit just with COVID. But, yep. um, and then I've got my got a coaching business as well, Nathan Reed and Cricket Coaching, which is, which is going really well as well. We do sort of clinics and academies and do a bit of one-on-one coaching as well so, so yeah life's good I've got, an, um, got a young family a three-year-old and um, three-month-old boy um, yeah. and a lovely wife so I can't yeah I can't complain life's, life's pretty good yeah so so for you the transition's been pretty good out of out of being a professional player and and moving on to your next adventure yeah I look I love it um I know, I know a lot of athletes do struggle with the transition um, and and I, I can sort of get it, but I was always someone who, like, I, I played cricket. I played cricket because I sort of loved it, but I was never going to, I was never going to struggle leaving the game. 
yep. playing side, if that makes sense. Um, I've always loved my fishing. I, I didn't actually ever think I'd go back into coaching, to be honest, but I've probably got a better appreciation for the game now um, that I'm out coaching and seeing it from um, the other side of the fence, from not only young kids to work with the PNG side to playing, still playing a bit of art cricket, really, but in the Gold Coast local comp. So I enjoy that. Like, the transition's been easy um, for me, to be honest. Like, I... I, I was lucky enough that cricket um, gave me a bit of a leg up in life and, and sort of set me up financially. Um, so, so that always helps. You can't disregard what role cricket played in that. Um, yeah. and, and I've always been... I, I consider myself a pretty simple soul. Like I, don't need, I don't need huge dollars to, to help me get by. Like I'm, I'm not a fancy sort of guy. As long yeah. as I can bloody put food on my table, have a carton of beer every couple of weeks and go for a fishing trip, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Um, and my wife, and my wife's the same. So look, we're yeah, we're enjoying life. It's really good and starting a family, and that's a, that's a completely different side of life. Bloody hell! Any, you ever thought anything was tough? Try having bloody two kids. I didn't realize how hard it would be. Yeah, it's good fun. Uh, good stuff. Now, b- before we go, I uh, need to wrap up with our, our favourite question from our listeners is uh, this last one. If you could have a net or you could invite anyone to the nets, uh, three people, alive or dead, um, who, who are you going to invite down and spend spend an hour in the nets with? Well, I'm going to invite Bradman because I'm not convinced he was any good. Um, <laughs> reason, reason being... I just want to, I just want to like get him on the side arm and just like wank his bark ones at him and just see what he was actually like. Because I, we we have this joke that the olden day players that, are, that everyone back then bowled about a hundred. Looks like they bowled a hundred and ten k an hour. So I'm not convinced Bradman was as good as the modern day player. So I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna throw that out there. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll get, probably Brian Lara. He was probably growing up. He was probably like someone I just love love watching. Um, so just to talk to him about cricket. Uh, who else? That's a really random one, but I'm probably going to invite uh, Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks? American country music singer. He's just, oh, I don't know, I've always been fascinated by country music and still am. I've been over to Nashville a few times and been to the country music awards over there. So, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to get Garth in there and just talk is that from your chinchilla roots the the love of country music is that something that was in your family oh i remember i, I still remember bloody going around to um yeah grandma and grandpa's house and they had um that slim dusty playing on the old records so right, that's probably where it all stemmed from um but i don't know just some people don't get it, but I just, yeah, I just love it. I just love listening to country music. When, when this podcast finished and I get offline, I'm, I'm sure a bit of Jason Aldean or something will come on, my, come on the stereo and oh, sing along I love it. That's uh, great stuff. Well, thank you so much, Nathan, for giving us some of your time for the Cricket Library podcast. It's been a, a, a real pleasure chatting with you. Wish you all the best with Outside Edge Adventures and, and your coaching business and, and importantly, too, life as a family man with your, your, your wife and children. Uh, and thanks for sharing your story with us today. No worries at all. Thanks for having me, mate.
A massive thanks to Nathan Reardon for joining us on this edition of the Cricket Library podcast. Sounds like the kind of guy you would want on your team. Uh, A wonderful story of a young lad who moved to Brisbane and made a name for himself. The super sub, the first super sub in domestic one-day cricket before X-Factors were X-Factors. Nathan Reardon was the man. And, of course, that 100 against the West Indies and representing Australia in T20 cricket. A wonderful achievement for Nathan Reardon. Get around his businesses as well. The Nathan Reardon Cricket Coaching Facebook page. Check that out. Make sure you check out Outside Edge Adventures as well. Wouldn't that be fun having a a bit of a, a boat trip with Nathan Reardon? There'd be some stories told there. No doubt about it. And another Queenslander. We've had a few Queenslanders on. If you, if you love your Queensland cricketers, uh, jump on. We've got a couple of, of South Australians who played for Queensland. Peter George is in the back catalogue. We've also got Ryan Harris in there, Nathan Horitz, Chris Hartley, and, of course, Luke Feldman, our, our most recent guest in there as well. So they're all available on your podcast feeds in all the usual places. Make sure you check those out. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode of the Cricket Library podcast. Well, it's time for me to say goodbye. It's been a pleasure having your company as always. This has been Matt Ellis for the Cricket Library podcast. Bye for now.